Praise the Lord. The series of messages that I've been doing, <clears throat> this is the 11th week, is when I ask the question, who are you? Who are you? If you're a believer, the Scripture has a lot to say about who you are. You are these things. You are the people that God says you are. And so this whole series of messages has been all about who believers are. And I hope, if you haven't received all of the messages, if you have not been able to be here to receive them, that you would find them online. I, I post the, the uh, recordings on Facebook for the video, and we also have the audio recordings on sermonaudio.com. You can listen to the messages. And the nice thing about Sermon Audio is if you have a question, you can pause it and you can go into the Bible and you can look it up for yourself. If I quote a scripture, if you don't happen to have the scripture in front of you, you can look it up. You are God's people if, in fact, you're a believer. You are. And so as we go forward, today we're going to see that you you, the living people in this building and all across the world, you, the believers, are saints. Now, you may not have learned that. You might not realize it. You might not even believe it. You might think that saints are some dead people that did some great stuff while they were here on earth, that somebody else has to call them saints, that they have to be made saints by some human being, and that is untrue. That is not what the Scripture shows, and as we go into the Word, you are going to see for yourself very plainly, very clearly, that the Scriptures call the people of God saints. You're called to be saints, and we're going to look at that in God's Word. In fact, I'm going to get into my notes so I don't run too long here. We're going to look in the second epistle. I think it's the second. Maybe it's the first. What did I have there? The first, 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 beginning at verse 1, and we're going to read three verses. If you care to follow along in the Bibles there in your seats, you'll find that on page 1754. And I'm not going to try to do it by memory. I'm just going to open it up. 1754. And that's where you find 1 Corinthians. At least that's what it's called. It's, it's possible that Paul had written another letter to the church in Corinth, but it was lost. We don't have that one. But what we do have is called 1 Corinthians, the first letter of Paul the Apostle to the Corinthians. And I'm sorry I didn't mark it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. My fingers aren't working right. There we go. We're only going to read three verses. I trust that God will add His blessing to the reading and hearing of His Word. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, Yahashua, 
Messiah, through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother. So Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. This is a church that he had started, that he had formed, that he had gathered people together as believers to become. And he writes to them, and he says, to the church of God... It's not the denomination church of God. He's speaking to the people of God. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. If you were here last week, you'll remember that we are sanctified. We're being sanctified. We are being worked by God into the image of Christ. Called to be saints with all in every place, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, Yahashua, Messiah, our Lord, both theirs and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord, Yahashua, Messiah. Father, I ask that you would take and use me to your glory today. Please erase all misunderstandings or misconceptions about your word. Strengthen us in the power of your might. Please grant your servant by your spirit that with all boldness I may preach your word. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You know, the church in Corinth provides a picture of much of what's wrong with the church today. It was a messed up church. And he calls them, he says, you are called to be saints. Paul was compelled to address the mess. This was a church that had formed in a metropolitan area. And you could think of any large city in this country or any others and think of all the debauchery that goes on, all of the sin that goes on, and that was what they were surrounded with. These were believers in Christ who were surrounded by worldliness or surrounded by sinfulness. And some of that had crept into the church because some people came into the church with this sinfulness and they weren't letting it go. Paul had to address it. His greeting to the church in Corinth is much the same as to other churches that he wrote to. We read in Romans chapter 1 and verse 7, he wrote to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Now, could you imagine if the church in Corinth took over and tried to become the biggest church in the world? Rome did. Rome and the Roman Empire took over, made themselves the head. I'm not going to bash Christianity. I'm not going to bash the early church. But Paul addresses the church in Rome the same way that he addresses the church in Corinth. You are called to be saints. Now, the other churches that he wrote to, if we look In 2 Corinthians, he tells them, Paul, an apostle of Yahashua, Messiah, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, that's who's writing, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in all Achaia. He's writing 
from a place, and he's calling the believers saints. In Ephesians chapter 1, we hear that Paul addresses them to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful. The saints. In Philippians chapter 1, we hear that he writes to all the saints who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. And he always names the name of the one that they are saints in, the ones that they are in, Messiah, Yahshua. Now, you look up that name, and I'm not going to get into it because it could take us an hour to go through it, but at some point we're going to do a message on the name because there's a lot of confusion about the name that we name. In Colossians chapter 1, he writes to the saints and faithful brethren in Messiah who are in Colossae. To the saints. Wait a minute, I thought saints were dead. No. No, they're not dead. There are some that have gone on to be with the Lord. But you are called to be saints. The word saint, singular, occurs three times in the King James Version of the Bible, twice in the New King James. And the reason for that is the New King James in Daniel chapter 8 and verse 13 calls the saints holy ones. Then I heard a holy one speaking, whereas the King James Version of the Bible says, I heard a saint speaking. And another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking, how long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifices and the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot? He was asking a question. In Psalm 106, verse 16, Speaking of God's people, it's written that they envied Moses also in the camp and Aaron, the saint of the Lord. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 21, it's written, salute every saint in Christ Jesus. Now, is it talking about walking by some statue that's standing somewhere and you salute them? No. He's saying, greet the people who are in the faith. Every saint. The Old Testament also refers to God's people collectively as saints, not just singularly. There are 95 times that the word saints occurs in the Scriptures, 95 times, and it's not always talking about folks that have passed on. There's probably five references that talk about folks that have passed on. In 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 9, it is written, He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. You're not going to get by on your own strength. He keeps the feet of his saints. In other words, he watches where you're going. He keeps you on his path. In Psalms chapter 30 and verse 4, we read this, Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of His, you saints of His. You sa Who's singing praise to the Lord? You saints are singing praise to the Lord. For the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud person. Give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. Sorry, I jumped the Scripture there. <laughs> That's all right. In Psalm 34 and verse 9, it's written, O fear the Lord, ye His saints, for there is no want to them that fear Him. Fear the Lord, you, His saints. We don't learn to fear the Lord anymore. We're not afraid of God. 
But the Scripture teaches us to fear the Lord, both Old and New Testament Scriptures. For the Lord loves justice, it's written in Psalms 37, and does not forsake His, say the word with me, saints. He does not forsake His saints. Praise God. They're preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. Psalms 89.7 is where it's written, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. In Psalms 149, in verse 1, Praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and His praise in the congregation of saints. He's not talking about the congregation of saints in heaven. He's talking about us. He guards the paths of justice. It's written in Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 8. And preserves the way of his saints. Daniel the prophet foretells some things about God's people, saints, in the end times. And we're going to revisit that another time. Most of the New Testament occurrences of this word, saint or saints, refer to living people who were believers at the time when these scriptures were written. A few to refer to those who, uh, faithful ones who had gone on to be with God, but most of them, out of the 95 or so that occur, are about living people. In Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 2, it's written, and he said, the Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir unto them. He shined forth from Mount Paran, and he came with ten thousands of saints from his right hand when a fiery law for them. In Psalm 79, in verse 2, it's written, The dead bodies of thy servants have they given to be meat unto the fowls of the air, the flesh of thy saints unto the beasts of the earth. He was talking about the overrun of God's people. They were overcome. They were living when they were overcome. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. And the graves were open. It's written in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 52. The graves were open after our Lord rose from the dead, which we just celebrated today in the communion of the saints. After He rose, it's written that many, the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and verse 13, it's written, So that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. See, we're going to come back with Him. After we depart here, remember, we're just traveling through. After we go there, and we come, we're going to come back with Him. It's written in Revelation chapter 16, verse 6, For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. Those who persecute the saints will suffer. It is written. So who are you? Can anybody answer the question for me? Saints. Yes, you are saints. That's right. You are a saint in the eyes of God. And I know, I've heard people say, I'm no saint. I'm no saint. 
You see, your concept of saint is different from what the Scripture shows. Saints, though imperfect, are moving toward perfection. We are going toward perfection. And I know that most of you have been conditioned to believe that saints are those dead folks that went on and somebody else called them saints, but that's not what the Scriptures show. And you've probably learned by some Bibles that they're called saints who wrote the gospel records, St. Matthew, St. Mark, St. Luke, St. John. Some labels, some of the Bibles label the gospel records as according to saint or by saint or of saint whoever. But do you know that word sainthood does not occur in the Scripture? There's not one occurrence of that word sainthood. It's a man-made concept. Nobody on earth is authorized by Almighty God to bestow sainthood upon someone else. It's not there. It is not in the Scriptures. So if I'm using the Scriptures as my guide for my life, and I want to live within the parameters of what Almighty God has set out as our lives, and what we are to be, and how we are to be, and what we are to do, then I have to refrain from believing that somehow somebody else has the power to make a saint. It is God who makes you saints. By the blood of Christ, He makes you saints. You have been redeemed. And you who have been redeemed, you're bought with a price. You are made His servants. He is your master. And I know we don't like to hear that, but that's the truth of Scripture. Scriptures are clear. All of God's people are saints. It comes from the Greek word hagios, that word, saints. And the Strong's Concordance defines it as physically pure, morally blameless, ceremonially consecrated, most holy one or most holy thing, saint. Thayer's Greek lexicon gives us a most holy thing, a saint, a part of speech. It's an adjective. It describes something. So you can describe yourself as a saint of God. Perfect? Perhaps not. But moving toward perfection in Christ? Absolutely. That's the process of sanctification that we talked about last week. The just shall live by faith. It's written in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. And if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now there, in one Scripture sentence, we find three references to Old Testament texts. Habakkuk 2.4, Zephaniah 1.6, and Malachi 1.10. Can you believe it? He quoted three texts in one sentence. I can't do that. I want you to understand that you are called to be saints. Not just be saints, but to become. It's because you're being and yet becoming at the same time. Being is something that happened to you. Becoming is something that you do. You're not working towards salvation. You are working what the Holy Spirit puts in your life to become what it is that God wants you to be. Holy in His presence, because in Him there is no darkness. And so in you, the darkness must be overcome by the light of Christ. The Scriptures are clear. You don't have to die to become a saint. I'll tell you right now. I heard another preacher say, 
if you didn't reach becoming a saint while you were alive, you sure aren't going to get there after you die. Nobody on earth is able to make you a saint. By reading the letters in the early churches, we can see they were imperfect. Now, how many of us here in this building could say that we are absolutely sinlessly perfect? I can't. And neither were they. They were not perfect, and yet they're referred to as saints. So how do we reconcile this idea that somehow we're moving from where we are to where God wants us to be, and we're not there yet? You know, some choose to believe that they are sinlessly perfect. I've met some of them. They've got a whole big list of rules that they have to follow. Do this, don't do that, go here, don't go there. And they call themselves holy. We are, that's the word, saints, holy, they go together. I remember our son Nathan, I don't remember how old he was, probably 15 years ago. He was in a Sunday school class, and the teacher said that we do not sin. And him being who he was and naive, not knowing that this would upset this woman, he said, we all sin. And she grabbed him and dug her fingernails into his arms and said, we do not sin. And she left the marks of her sinless perfection on, her, on his arms. We are saints. Moving from an imperfect state to a state of perfection in Christ as part of that process of sanctification. We must understand that we are God's people here to serve Him to His glory. And just as the early church struggled with getting things right in God's sight, so do we. We miss the mark. The church today misses the mark. The difference is that we have the Scriptures that they did not have. They didn't have everything that we have, folks. And we have their examples to follow, and in some cases, their examples to avoid. We have to continue learning Because this is our calling to be saints, to learn what it is that God wants for us and what He wants from us. And see, there's a lot of people that deny that He wants anything from us, but His Word is very clear that He does want something from us. He wants our absolute submission and surrender to Him. Are you willing to do that? That's what He wants. We're to learn that we're temples of the living God and that we're God's children. See, that was the first message that we did in this series. We're to learn and be learning to endure the race that's set before us. And sometimes it's a difficult race. And as we hear prayer requests, sometimes we say, man, that's really difficult for them. Let me pray for that brother. Let me pray for that sister. We need to be praying for each other. Even generally, God, help us as your family to continue to live as your saints. We're to learn to season the world like salt with the soul-preserving gospel. It's our call. We're called to do that. We learn to operate in God's authority to do everything our Lord and Savior commanded, and that's an ongoing process. 
Because at first we don't believe we can, but we're called to do it. It's part of our call as being saints. We learn, and we're learning to heal the sick and have dominion over demons. And I know that's a tough one for a lot of people, but that is God's Word. We're learning to be light in the world as as we renounce the hidden things of darkness. That's a process. We're learning to be the light. And we shine that light wherever there is darkness, and light dispels darkness. We learn that we're baptized baptizers who follow the command to go and share the good news and baptize others. You'll remember as we looked at that message or we heard that message that there were thousands who came into the body of Christ, and who do you think baptized them? Do you think that the 12 guys that were called apostles at that time were the only ones that were dunking people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? They'd still be doing it. Everybody who is baptized into Christ can then bring someone else into the family. We learn, and we're learning, to ask our Heavenly Father. This is part of being saints. We turn to Him, not to our own resources, not to our own thoughts, not to our own abilities. We can't save ourselves. We turn to Him for everything. And that's a simple matter of saying, God, I can't handle this. I need you. Help me, Lord. My wife says I wake her up sometimes praying, God, help us. Simple prayer. But He does. He answers the prayer. Everything that we've done with these food giveaways, just for example, okay, I'm just going to take a little rabbit trail here for a moment. Everything we've done has been God-ordained because I could not do it. I didn't even want to. I didn't try to. God put it all together, every bit of it, every single bit of it. And the team of people that gather together to help give away food and reach out to the community, you need to hear that people are saying thank you. They're grateful. Every once in a while we get somebody that says, is that all? We say, yeah, that's it for today. There'll be more another time. When? I don't know, but there will be. I trust God's going to provide. We learn to ask God, and so we do. We learn, and we're learning that we're travelers here. This is not our home. This is just a layover. We come here to serve Him, and then we go back, and then we're going to come back again. We're not going to get into that today. We're strangers. We're pilgrims. We're foreigners. This is not our home. We're just passing through. We're constantly turning to Almighty God. I'm going to wrap it up, folks. We're we're constantly turning to Almighty God to avoid the pitfalls of being in these fallen fleshly bodies. And this is the process that we call sanctification. It sets us apart for God's use. It sets us apart from the rest of the population of the earth. This is why you don't feel like you fit in anymore. When you come to Christ, it's not like everybody jumps on and says, Hey, I I want what you want, which I got. I want what you have. You start questioning, Wow, what happened? What changed? Why don't I fit in anymore? Why don't I fit in with these people? Because you're not of them. You've been renewed. You're being renewed. It's a process. It starts at a point in time and it continues for the rest of your life so long as you surrender to Him and allow Him to use you to His glory. 
We're constantly turning to Him. And that's what it means to be a saint of God. That's how I can call you saints. You're not relying on yourself, and if you are, you're learning not to. See, I I still am learning that. To count on Him, to rely on Him, to allow Him to provide. You know, I mentioned about firewood earlier, and I early in the season I was given a tree, and it was all cut and split, and I praised God for that, and I piled it up, and I said, okay, Lord, it's not enough for the winter, but I praise You, and I know You'll bring more. And then I kind of let it go. And then every once in a while I'd look at that pile and say, Lord, it's not enough. I, I know you're going to bring more, but, you know, I'm going to rely on me because me, I'm going to go out and I'm going to search for trees, okay? I'm going to search for wood. God said, no, no, don't worry about that. Take care of this and I'll take care of that. And he has. And see, that's where we have to get to that place of peace, that peace that passes understanding because the Holy Spirit will comfort you in your need. It's like Debbie's roof. I looked at that roof. It was about half done on the back side. Front side was done. Back side was about half done. I said, Lord, she needs help putting that up there. And you've got me tangled up in some other things, so I'm going to pray. Lord, bring her help. Did he bring help, Deb? He did. did. Oh, praise God. Amen. Praise God. You are saints. This is my final thought. So go forth into all the world, especially your little part of it, wherever that happens to be, and let Almighty God move you toward Himself in the likeness of Christ. He promises to reform you in His image. And then the question becomes, are you willing to let Him? Are you willing to let Him reform you into the image of Christ? Because that is what you're called to. You're called to be saints. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, that You have provided everything that we need in our lives. Help us to forgive those who fall short of Your glory. Help us to forgive those, Lord, who sin against us. Help us, Lord, to live our lives each and every day, allowing You to reform us into the image of Christ, I pray, and all of God's people said. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's, um, let's receive an offering, shall we, folks?